Welcome to the Zen Exotic Zoo podcast presented by Zen Habitats. I'm your host, Casey. I am a certified vet tech and animal care manager here at Zen Habitats. At Zen Habitats, we are focused on improving the standard of reptile care by providing high quality products and exceptional customer service. In this podcast, we'll be bringing you engaging interviews from leading experts within the animal industry, including breeders, veterinary staff, entrepreneurs, and so much more. If you're ready to learn about some fascinating reptiles and other critters, make sure you subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform. You are now listening to Casey Talks Critters, Episode 1, Chinese Water Dragons with M. Locke. Welcome to Casey Talks Critters. It's a brand new show here at Zen Habitats where I interview hobbyists and experienced reptile keepers um, and ask them the questions that you want to know as well as their job working with animals. This is a brand new show and I'm super excited to bring it to you every month. So I hope you enjoy it. Make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as hit that notification bell so that way you'll be notified for when we have other lives like this. Um, we will be down in the chat answering your questions. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. So my first guest ever is M from Mzotic. She's got this amazing YouTube channel. Um, she's a wonderful animal expert and I cannot wait to chat with her today. So. Em, what is your experience with animals? Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful and, and just inspired to be your first guest today on your brand new show. So thank you so much for having me. Um, my background is a little bit as a zoological specialist, as well as um, having a lot of niche jobs within the zoological world. I grew up in Asia, which gave me a really great foundation with a lot of exotic animals in the wild. And that's really where my passion for exotic lizards started. Oh, that's amazing. I bet you saw some of the coolest animals there. I can't even imagine. Um, so how did um, you get to start working with animals? Like, What was your first job working with animals? So my first job working with animals was when I was around 10 years old. I started working in a pet store which was opposite my house and they paid me in birdseed to feed my two parakeets at home. Um, I actually got really well acquainted with a veterinarian whose clinic was right next to our pet store and he eventually got me a job at the Hong Kong RSPCA oh, wow. which is now just the SPCA and uh, that's that's where I first got started with dogs, reptiles, a couple of different interesting facets of, um, of, of pet keeping, if you will. Oh, I love that. That's fascinating. So you mentioned that you saw lots of really cool lizards in Asia. So let's talk about who are we going to talk about today? What species are we focusing on today? The species that we're going to be focusing on today is the beautiful Chinese water dragon. Oh, so exciting! We asked our fans some really great questions, so later on in this episode, we I'll ask you what they asked me, so we can bounce back and forth on that. Fantastic. So, um, I guess let's start with, why do you think the Chinese water dragon is so cool? I love the Chinese water dragon. For me, I love the size of, say, bearded dragons. They have a really great handleability for them without being something the size of, say, a tegu or a green iguana, uh, which takes up so much space. So for me, the Chinese water dragon is a smaller size lizard, which is still very robust. And I do feel that they are the superior lizard to keep when compared to a green iguana. Um, and that's really why 
I love them. You get all the beauty of the iguana, but in a smaller package, which mm -hmm. I just feel is, is so much more easy to manage. Oh, I 100% agree. So I also like to segue into this. I want to talk about your personal experience, um, the beginning experience with them, and my experience with them as well, just so people can understand um, you know, how different people may keep them in different levels of um, expertise, et cetera. So for me, I really didn't have any Chinese water dragon experience until I started working for Zen Habitats and they had an ambassador pet species of one, um, Ming, who is our um, juvenile still, um, female Chinese water dragon. So really, I've learned a lot just by working with her, but I'd love to hear how you got into the husbandry and how you figured all of that out. Yes, so Casey, they are a fascinating lizard. It's very much sink or swim with them. But with my background, having actually seen these animals in the wild mm -hmm. and having grown up, literally catching them and bringing them home and then eventually releasing them again, I understood from very, very young that these are such specialist creatures which can tank so quickly if you're not giving them the proper care. Mm. Um, so I really have approached keeping Chinese water dragons uh, from a very unique perspective, from seeing them in the wild and growing up around them and really understanding the climate that they come from, uh, trying my best to replicate that in captivity, but also understanding that so many of the specimens that we have in captivity today are wild caught specimens, which just comes with so many challenges. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'd love to talk about in a little while, but um, I would love to hear how, how your um, uh, sort of interactions with Chinese wolf dragons might differ from mine. Yeah, so I have always thought of them as that super fragile animal. So I, it's just been one of the ones that I haven't really wanted to take care of personally, like as a personal pet. I saw them, um, you know, when I was working in veterinary clinics, etc. But it wasn't something that I was interested in because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill this animal. <laughs> Not really though, but you know. Um, so it was something that I wasn't um, super interested in because I didn't want the risks associated with it. And I had, you know, all this you know, everyone telling me, oh, they're so difficult to keep and, you know, they're really feisty and this, that, and the other thing. But once I learned a little bit more about them and why they're feisty, um, like you said, a lot of them are wild caught. So that definitely plays, plays a big part of that. Um, so, yeah, I really, Ming was my first, <laughs> really my first, like, real, real, like, contact with a Chinese water dragon besides regular checkups. Um, so I think this is a great way to segue into why are there so many of them in captivity and why are there so many disasters reported with them? So with the Chinese water dragon, there are so few of them being bred in captivity because the amount of space they require and the amount of food they require to get them to breeding age and a healthy breeding weight for that matter, um, doesn't make them conducive to turning a profit. Mm -hmm. It actually 
is a lot more conducive to turning a profit to import them en masse from the Far East, which I do not like at all. It is so heartbreaking and it's a huge problem that I feel that we're facing within the herpetological community because people are choosing quantity over quality. Mm. Um, that's why there's so many because there's a never ending need and supply for them. A lot of these animals get brought in from those who actually collect them in the wild. They sell to a, uh, a distributor who then sells them to large chain pet stores and small mom and pop pet stores here in the United States and around the world. Mm -hmm. It's not illegal to do, but the fact of the matter is these animals come in very stressed, uh, very dehydrated, and a dehydrated water dragon is not a healthy water <laughs> dragon at all. It's like a waterless water dragon. And we come in loaded with parasites, oh, which yeah. need so much right. ongoing treatment. Yes, that which is mainly what I saw, for sure. Like, just loaded with all the gut parasites. Ew. <laughs> so gross so after battle when you go and choose this adorable little tiny water dragon that comes in at just a couple of inches long and you want it to come home and be a pet and you've got your setup already even then you're still set up for failure because in my experience over 50 percent will tank and i will bring home say four at a time which are wild courts i've been doing a lot of research on what we can do to help those that are already here in the united states and hopefully helping to educate people on what to do if they did impulse buy a, a chinese water dragon because they are so difficult to find as captive bred specimens um, very far and few between something i'm hoping to work on um, but 50%, if not more, will tank, even Ugh. in a very, very advanced and knowledgeable home. Mm, I know, it's so sad. It really is. So this kind of goes into, like, so they're tricky to establish. So what kind of methods have you used to get them to establish um, healthfully in your environment? So the first thing I do with any animal is I put them straight into quarantine. Because if you're bringing an animal from the wild that has had parasites from the wild that your own animals at home might not be familiar with, and then you're taking them to a pet store where there's additional bacterias, and then bringing in this highly stressed animal into your environment, you can end up with really devastating uh, different kinds of viral infections, which I have dealt with in the past, such as cryptosporidium, really devastating and can wipe out an entire collection in a matter of months. So I'm all for the quarantine. And in that time, it's all about getting them hydrated first. And sometimes that means ring a solution from the vet. Um, if you're unfamiliar with how to give an animal ring a solution, it is done intravenously. Um, so it's best to go and take the animal to the vet where they can do a fecal and then give them some ring a solution just to encourage them to be more hydrated. Because if you try and feed a water dragon before they're hydrated, they're not really going to benefit from those nutrients. And it can actually have an adverse effect yeah. on the way that their, um, their digestive system works. Yes, yeah, you can so totally first, mm -hmm. yeah, screw the, the whole first, thing up. <laughs> hydration is so key for a Chinese water dragon. Makes and then from there, you're going to want to look at a really good, healthy diet. Yes. Oh, and I have lots of questions about diets from our fans, so I will get to those in just a second. Sure. Um, but 
Since there are so many, um, do you think that they're going to be a big pet in the future? I do. Um, I think that they're already quite a well-established pet. The, diff the difficulty is they're not a long-lived pet because of all the issues that we just spoke about. So it's almost like we call it in England throwing good after bad. You keep on throwing money and buying another animal, bring it home and it tanks all over again. Mm -hmm. So it's like a never ending cycle. And unfortunately there aren't the best resources out there for pet keepers when they go into a large chain pet store. Um, I remember I went in a few weeks ago to look at a Chinese water dragon and I was handed a bearded dragon care leaflet. Uh, and that's a completely different <laughs> desert animal from a, uh, the wrong part of the world, completely yeah. different to Chinese water dragons. Yeah. Um, so already people are being set up for failure. I do believe that they have the ability to be a good pet when they are established in captivity from captive bred stock. I know that Ming that you have over there at Zen Habitats is a captive bred baby. So she's going to be a lot more robust and she could probably deal with fluctuating temperatures, not that there would be, as well as fluctuating humidity. Um, whereas the two that I have behind me on this rock ledge over here, um, they are a lot more sensitive and I haven't even named them after gosh, six months of having them almost, because it's still at this stage, even though they're eating and pooping and shedding, they could still tank. All it takes is one stress flare up, and then all of those parasites begin to multiply like crazy in their gut, and it overruns the animal. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that they can be a phenomenal pet if you give them the space they deserve, as well as the proper diet, the proper humidity, UVB, as well as the proper diet. Yes, absolutely. All of that husbandry is so important. Um, at least when I was working in clinical medicine, veterinary medicine, obviously, um, <laughs> about 80 to 85% of the issues that we saw in exotic pets were related to husbandry issues. So. Yeah, you hit that completely right. <laughs> um, so what kind of keeper would a Chinese water dragon be good for? What what sort of um, hobby, like a hobbyist? What do you think? What? Um, I feel that if you are going to be bringing home a captive bred baby, it would be great for somebody who is a serious hobbyist and who is willing to work with a mentor to to learn more about so if you're really curious and you're really passionate about focusing on the species you're going to have a really interesting time a challenging time still but very rewarding when you do start to see that by implementing your mentor's knowledge as well as um, having some courage to try different things that have not yet been explored very widely in captivity then you could have a very rewarding experience. But it's also important to go into keeping water dragons with a degree of realism as well. That's why I haven't named these dragons, just because I have to keep a level of detachment there where I want them to thrive first before I get attached. And whilst they are beginning to thrive, I still have to remember that as much of 
myself as I'm pouring into this, I still have to maintain good mental health and understand that there's only so much I can do with a captive bred animal. Mm -hmm. um, so already I've lost 50% because I brought four of them in, two of them did not sadly make it, but in that time I've learned so much with my Chinese water dragon mentor, as well as teaching them a few things that they didn't know about either, because the setup that I have for mine is very different to my mentors. Oh. So it's really, really interesting, and we've both worked together to come up with something that we feel reflects yeah. what a Chinese water dragon would enjoy yeah. in the wild based on my knowledge and their knowledge of breeding. Oh. So if you're curious, if you have space, if you have the resources to throw a lot of money at the feeding <laughs> of a young water dragon because they will eat a lot, um, then, then they'll make a really rewarding pet for you. Very good. I love that. So, and because this is a Zen Habitats show, does Zen Habitats have an enclosure that would work for these guys? Actually, yes. Initially, I thought no, because what you'll see behind me, and I'm going to do some very light shuffling over here, is you will see that this is one of the original 4x2x2 enclosures. I think this might have been the second model, actually, but it's a 4 by, sorry, a 4x2x4 PVC panel enclosure, which is really great for holding humidity. But being the older style, this is a standalone enclosure. However, I believe double the space for a bearded, uh, not bearded dragon, a Chinese water dragon would be beneficial to the species. And the new Meridian 4x2x4 enclosure is the same footprint, but you can expand it as much as you want. You can get a 4x2x4 enclosure and then put it together with another 4x2x4 enclosure and you can just keep going. Um, so I do believe that Zen offers one of the only enclosures on the market that can potentially hold and support the needs of a growing and adult Chinese water dragon. Right now, my dragons are at the size where this is perfectly adequate for them, but as adults, they will need, especially if they turn out to be a pair and I keep them together, a lot more space. So 4x2x4 Meridian is going to be such an asset. Yes, yes. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. All right. So we went over some really interesting things about Chinese water dragons. So maybe now is a good time that we can talk about what our fans had asked you. So yeah. the first one kind of goes from that last question. What is the minimum size enclosure for a Chinese water dragon? Well, it really depends on the size of the water dragon. Um, and remember, these are a semi-arboreal species. They love to climb. They love to be high up. So you also want to have that height in there too. Um, for a young Chinese water dragon, um, I would say nothing smaller than, say, the 2 by 2 by 4 uh, uh, Zen Habitats mm -hmm. enclosure. That's the arboreal setup that you see a lot of people keeping chameleons in. Mm -hmm. And that I found works well for the youngsters because they, when they want to escape, they either go down into water and they just plop or they want to get as high as possible. So that's really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. I think that you could also foreseeably with a young, so like neonate size, mm -hmm. you could also put them in a four by two by two PVC panel enclosure. Mm -hmm. Definitely PVC panel because they need a lot of humidity. Mm -hmm. um, and the benefit of that is that 
Chinese water dragons are very prone to um, face rub and that's when they freak out and they run into things and they bash their noses in. Mm. Um, that can lead to a secondary infection, which is, you know, again, it can be catastrophic because that can cause their parasite count to come back up again. So you're back to square one. They're yeah. very, very sensitive. Um, so really as much space as you can possibly give. And then with an adult, I would say nothing smaller than a four by two by four with extension kit as well. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah, I, I, it, I, it is something that I definitely... I'm also trying to um, make sure that I talk about in some of my videos um, that, you know, size is super important with these guys. Like, they need the space. They're Like, the tail is so long, just the tail part. Like, they're so big. It really is, and a lot of people forget the height aspect. I mean, I'm actually standing up right now, and this enclosure, I'm five foot four, this enclosure goes way above my head. I mean, I really have to like reach up there yeah. to try and grab things. And I've noticed at nighttime, my Chinese water dragons will actually sleep up here. It's, oh. it's bending in the middle because they love to be hammocked. And I believe that the success I've had with the wild caught Chinese water dragons is a lot to do with allowing them to feel safe at night. That's when they're going to relax. They need to sleep. Otherwise, they're constantly on edge. And similarly with my toke, if I've ever kept them low down, they will stress, they won't eat. So having a vivarium on the floor is not going to cut it for a Chinese water dragon. That's why I've opted to have the deluxe cabinet stand underneath, which offers an additional two feet of height. And then the of four feet of height with this enclosure behind me it makes it so that they can actually look down and judge me and feel like they're above me which of course they are um but they can certainly feel that they're away from me they they don't think i can reach them and i'm i don't bother them when they're up there that is their safe zone that's that's absolutely right that's the same with ming so like during the day i normally see her basking way up top on her plants and then like when I come in first thing in the morning is usually when she's on the ground, probably foraging for buggies left over and stuff. <laughs> That's the same with these two. Yeah, love it. So, um, but foraging for buggies, what is their main food source? What are, are they omnivores? Are they carnivores? What are they? <laughs> so people think of them traditionally and keep them traditionally as an omnivore. They will offer vegetables, they will offer a lot of insect protein, but I had a really fascinating conversation with my mentor, who's one of the only people here to successfully breed Chinese water dragons um, for a long period of time. Um, and he supplies just the uh, those who are looking for captive bred animals. And what he has found is that none of his captive bred or wild caught specimens particularly go for vegetation and it's his belief and something that i've started implementing that whilst they should always have some leafy matter available don't be surprised if they don't eat it because in the wild the studies have shown that i think it's less than five percent of the matter found inside the guts of wild caught um, Chinese water dragons is vegetation. The rest of it is all insects and the vegetation that they find inside could literally be the vegetation that they they ingest as a byproduct yeah. when grabbing an insect. Um, so I have never seen mine eat any vegetation without 
accidentally ingesting it as trying to get their insects. Yeah, yeah. I, ours will sometimes eat some greens, but it might just be, like you said, just an accidental grab when you're trying to grab a buggy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly they can process and there may be some benefit there, but I find that gut loading my uh, my feeders with high quality veggies that I would have been offering the Chinese water dragons also is very beneficial. Very smart. Very, very, very smart. It's super important to feed your bugs good nutritious diets because it's going to bring it into, you know, your pets. Exactly. Otherwise, if you don't gut load, um, it's like feeding a, a pill that's empty. Yeah, um, exactly. It's in, in a non-gut loaded insect. Yeah. Um, so I think this kind of relates. So one person said, um, my dragon will only eat dubia roaches. Do you have suggestions for picky eaters? Well, first of all, I'm glad that they're eating dubia because dubia are one of the most nutritious um, insects that you can feed a Chinese water dragon. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're finding that your dragon is super picky, something that you can do, which I find really works, is having a dish. So. I've got a little clear dish right here that you can see behind me. And that is where every day I put their first meal of the day. The rest of the time I scatter feed, but they have learned anything that goes in that bowl is food and is fair game and is easy. So you can try putting some mealworms in there. You can try putting your dubia in that little, uh, like a section where you always keep the same food dish um, and feed the same time of day, they will learn to associate that food dish with food. And then uh, as a result, whatever you put in there, they might be more willing to try. Yes, that's right. So I guess my last question, it's kind of a two-part question by uh, two different people. Um, so I'm sorry, not a two-part question, kind of the same question from two different people. One was how tolerant are they to handling and why are they so spicy? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are quite intolerant to handling, especially as juveniles and neonates. If you think about it, a hand is terrifying to such a small lizard. I mean, we're talking about an animal that, that weighs less than a gram and is only about this long. So the world is a scary place. Um, initially I would encourage maybe a little bit of hand feeding and that's something that's really helped me with these two behind me they've learned that my hand is not such a scary place because they get their favorite superworms from my hand uh -oh. now they do get their dubia they do get their crickets and a whole bunch of other nutritious invertebrates but they do love their superworms which you know can be quite fatty and they are prone to fatty liver disease so I give them quite sparingly, but as a treat, they know that when my hand comes in, it's party time, it's a good time. So getting appropriately sized treat items as well, you could maybe even try hornworms, can encourage them to want to come and spend more time near your hand. Um, of course, limiting the amount of grabbing you have to do would be great. So I did not try handling them or getting them used to my hands 
whilst I was shuttling them back and forth to the vet because otherwise it'd be confusing for them. I figured once I had them more established, I would be far more able to then start working on trust building. There was zero trust in the beginning. No, I, yeah, no, totally understandable. (laughs) Yeah, standing here, they would dart off into their water and not want to be here. But now they're actually quite interested in what I'm doing. Um, and they love to hang out and just sort of like watch what I'm doing. And at the second that they see me putting in that food dish, they're a lot more um, happy to see my hand again. They'll actually jump onto my wrist and run down it to the food dish as I'm putting the food dish in. Oh. So there is a degree of trust there. One of them is more trusting than the other. So it does come down to individual preference as well. They, they do have distinct personalities. Um, they're not really like a crested gecko where you can force them to enjoy handling by just doing the walking. Yeah. One of them will just eat off into the abyss and the other will chill out for a while and allow some gentle handling and you know, being put back. So we do practice that every single day as a trust building exercise. But they're super spicy because everything in the wild wants to eat them. They're a very nutritious lizard and they have aerial predators. They have primate predators. They have reptilian predators. Um, And that's why they always are so near water because not all predators can swim. And these guys can swim wonderfully. That is a, yeah. So it's a good idea to give them some water, which is more than just say, a tub. I see people putting a little tub of water. That's not enough. This is a 20 gallon behind me. Uh, sorry, a 10 gallon. No way. A 20 gallon. I think it's a 20 gallon. Um, and I'm going to be eventually extending it to be double as long so that half of the bottom enclosure is water for them. Um, I'll just do some structural reinforcing at the bottom to make sure since it's already elevated that it's very structurally sound. Yeah. That also gives them more of an ability to bond with you because if you give them the chance to hide and get away, they'll feel a lot less stressed when they actually are choosing to come out and bask. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I think um, we're kind of running out of time. So if there's any other questions that need to be asked about husbandry for M or myself, but I just want to throw a few questions at you more about you, M. <laughs> oh, okay, let's do it. So, okay. If someone was to pursue the same career as yours, what advice would you give them? Have an open mind and just give it a try. I can't tell you how well that advice has worked for me and just saying yes to things that you would often say no to with the understanding that everybody makes mistakes, nobody comes into any animal job or any job for that matter with all the knowledge and half of the journey and half the fun is learning and you learn by making mistakes. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. You don't have to be perfect with anything that you're doing Um, and surround yourself with people who want to see you win just by wanting to share their their knowledge with you so that you can continue to use that at home and pass that along as well. Absolutely. I think the reptile community is really great for that. Yeah, I agree. So is there any myths about your profession or your field of work that you would like to debunk? I think that there was the misconception that the reptile hobby and zoological profession in general is, and I really hate using this term, but quote unquote male dominated. I don't feel that. And I don't want other women to feel discouraged from pursuing a career in the zoological community because they feel like they'll be alone. You won't. There's so many awesome women and men out there 
who are super supportive and don't look down on anybody based on who they are as an individual. Um, there's definitely a tribe for everybody and everybody has something that they can bring to the zoological community and learn from as well. So if it's something you want to do, then definitely do that. And along those lines, a lot of people are worried that they'll never make any money working with animals. And I've, I have to say, whilst that can be true in certain facets of of you know zoological work there's always ways that you can support a living you just have to get a bit creative and inventive um so don't be discouraged because you feel like you'll never be able to make a living that's not true there's always a way that you can but sometimes finding the journey to where you want to be and doing something that you enjoy that also is beneficial to you and your living situation um you, you can get there so mm -hmm. don't feel like you should shy away from working with animals because you feel like you won't be able to support yourself. That's not entirely true. No, not true. <laughs> you can do it. You just have to figure it out. <laughs> um, so is there any challenge that you're facing with your project, um, your, your Chinese water dragon project right now? Any challenges? So the main challenge I have is the sexing of these two animals. It can be very difficult to tell whether or not they're male or female until they are much larger. Um, now these two are sub-adults, um, they're not quite juvenile in my mind. I would call them sub-adult, but they are going to take another year and a half to get to being full adults. And that's when, if they do begin to show male traits, that I might have to start separating them because in general I would not recommend cohabiting Chinese water dragons. They are a territorial creature. These two came in together. Are you gonna go in the water? Are you oh. gonna go from you gonna go somewhere? You can if you want. Um, but these two get along great. I've never seen any hand waving. Um, I've never seen any dominance over the food or the basking spots. So I'm actually starting to think that they might be two females. However, it's never a guarantee that just because uh, a reptile is male or female that they won't be dominant and won't be aggressive. So I watch them very carefully and at the first sign of any kind of territorial behavior, they would get separated out immediately. But there was a benefit keeping them together as babies, got a little bit sort of competitive with wanting to eat. So I'm really glad to see that. And I guess they saw something on the floor they wanted. Oh, very active right now. Yes. <laughs> They're really good. They're really nice, healthy animals now, which I'm really glad for because it took a while to get them here, which was another challenge. But yes, I would love to know if they are male or female. I just won't know for a little while longer. If you could give your 18-year-old self any advice, what would it be? Any advice in the world at all? Mm, yeah. Yeah, let's go with anything. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess that life is to be enjoyed and not endured. And oh. always turn out. Um, I've never, like, I've been in some sticky situations in my life where I just think, I'm amazed I survived, or that was a really bad situation. But you will always figure it out. And if you surround yourself with the right people, people who have your best interests at heart that you can trust and who are there for you, there's nothing you can't overcome. And choose to be your own best friend because there's no one really in life coming to save you. I know that sounds really scary for a lot of people, but that's something I had to look at too. Nobody is coming to save me. There are gonna be people there to help, but 
I have to rely on myself. Mm -hmm. So I look after number one. I make mm -hmm. sure that I surround myself with good people who I know if I call them up at 3 a.m. and go like, oh my gosh, I just did the worst thing in the world and you need to help me, they'll be right there. Uh so um, that's, that's, that's probably the advice I'd give myself. Live the life that you want because life is to be enjoyed and not endured. That's beautiful. And I think that is fantastic. Um, is there anything else that I maybe didn't ask you that you want to tell our Zen friends? Yes. I would love people to know that whilst Chinese water dragons are beautiful, it is possible to enjoy animals without necessarily keeping them. So if you are going to choose to commit to Chinese water dragons, it is a commitment. It is a hefty commitment, both in terms of space, time, resources. So if you would prefer just to see really lovely specimens, you can try and track them down in your local zoos, for example, to go and see them. Um, I'm sure they'd have really healthy specimens on display, or at least I would hope so. Um, and just because you really love and respect an animal, it doesn't mean that you have to keep them. But if you do decide to commit to them, um, try to find a captive bred specimen because every time you purchase an animal from a pet store, it's a vote. And you might think that you're saving a creature, um, whereas it's really just encouraging that pet store to buy more of them because it's a sale at the end of the day. Um, that's something we all have to be really cognizant of. So if you really feel strongly about not having animals taken from the wild, definitely be prepared to do your research. Find someone who is a trusted breeder with a really good background and can prove lineage. Um, and be prepared to just do a bit of waiting. Patience pays off with this species. Mm, definitely. I think that that was very well said. Thank you, Em. So I really appreciate you being my first guest. I think this was a lovely conversation and I can't wait to continue it on in the chat with our fans. Um, yeah. But I, I think this is great. Um, so again, Zen Habitats has enclosures for Chinese water dragons. <laughs> and, and we want you to definitely subscribe to our channel, like this video, make sure you sign up for those notifications. Also go over to M's channel, Mzotic. Oh my God, she's got so much good content. So get over there, follow us both. It'll be so much fun. And we'll be answering your questions up next. Thanks, Em, friends. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Em. Thanks, Bye, guys.